Well, welcome back to the... <laughs> Take three and action. Well, welcome back to the Two Guys, One Plant podcast, your weekly podcast where we explore different vegetables and fruits every week. We look into the history, the nutrition, medicinal uses. We look at growing it and cooking it and all the other fun things around all of these different vegetables. I'm Simon Hall and my wonderful, beautiful, miraculous co-host is Timothy Ackerman. Thanks, Simon. I really appreciate every week you just gushing all over me. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. <laughs> but, uh, well, mate, you're a wonderful human being. Thanks, so why man. wouldn't I gush? Takes one to know one. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I don't usually take compliments very well, but I will take that from you. Oh, you'll take it. Because I know you don't dish them out. Uh, How has your week been, mate? It's interesting. Interesting week. Yep. Just, you know, with all the corona stuff and I feel like we talk about it every week, but, you know, here in Melbourne, we're, you know, a bit of a resurgence. So life has changed a little bit again, but hopefully, hopefully in the short term. I know. It's so weird. We go, there's been 300 cases like... You know, and we're all losing our mind, but overseas it's like 40,000 cases in well, the America country. just recorded 70,000 in one day. <clears throat> oh, I did not know that. That is really sad. Yeah. Well, yeah, so I think we're we're doing okay considering. Yes, and, you know, it feels like the government's trying to do their best to keep it under control. So. I think they're doing a really good job. Mm. Yeah, I so do actually I. actually saw a, a little thing that was... Uh, you know, really funny. It was like, it's not like Dan Andrews was in there banging the guests. <laughs> I shared that. I shared that on social. <laughs> uh, I think we just all need to take a step back and yeah. and realize what's actually happening mm. here. Mm. Trust is a big thing, you know? It is. We need to be trusted as a society. Mm, we do, yep. Mm. Um, look, we've had a big milestone this week oh mate we we should have opened with that but yes we we got to 1000 followers on instagram i know thank you everyone it's wonderful thanks for following we're really enjoying uh the followers and the comments and the messages and yeah uh, it's, it's been great to see the people kind of interacting and listening to the podcast it's wonderful isn't it and yep. you know i'm going <laughs> Through my everyday, as I talk to different people at the moment, there are more and more people who have been telling me that they're listening to the podcast and they think that uh, we're funny. And I don't get that. Definitely not trying to be funny. I wouldn't have thought that we... uh, Look at you playing it down. No, 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 no. (laughs) But it's like... You know, we, we we didn't go in this. This wasn't satire. Like we were, no, it's not we a comedic podcast. Let's no. be honest. <laughs> um, but you and know, we talk about hard hitting, really right? like raw facts. Like last like week, I mean, that was facts. that was hard hitting. Like is pomegranate the forbidden fruit or not? Like seriously. Oh man, I still think it is. It it feels like it should be. Mm. If it's not, maybe we should write to someone and have them change it. Oh well. The grainy apple. Look, if you missed the podcast on pomegranate last week, it is one not to miss. I know it goes for a long time 
and we apologize for the two hour uh, mark there, but it's well worth listening to. It's it's probably my favorite podcast that we've done so far. Yeah, it's, that was that was up there. Yeah, mm, I really enjoyed it, and it makes me want. Well, it makes me want to own a pomegranate farm for one. Oh yeah, uh, it was amazing pictures. Yep. Yeah, and also, yeah, I just want to eat them more. Yep. Uh, the very next day, I went to the supermarket and. I was so bummed I couldn't find a pomegranate anywhere. Oh no! No, but uh, apparently there's some at our greengrocer. So I'll okay next time I'm there, I'll make sure I pick one up. Yeah, nice. Mm. You know, I, I I'm actually really I I don't mean to toot our own horn, but I love doing this because I'm actually getting excited about vegetables and fruits again. Mm. And I haven't really been excited about food like this as what I am now. The last time I was excited about food was when I made the conscious choice to switch from eating meat to being a vegetarian. And I got really excited about the change in the type of food that I'm going to eat and the different flavors. And, mm-hmm. you know, I really enjoyed that journey. And then it's mm-hmm. kind of just repeated back into just everyday life. So it's it's good starting to think about what I eat and Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It it just brings a new sense of adventure with your food. Yes. Yeah. And we know and, what it's happening to our body. We know what's going on our plate. Yeah. Beyond definitely. just knowing that it's vegetables mm. and that they're good for you, quotation marks. Yeah. Well I mean what does good for you even mean? Like Exactly. Oh eat this because it's good for you. Mm. Yeah. It's, yes. that's, that's something we tell our kids when we're being lazy. Ooh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go and attack any parents right now because I know it's tough. Well, it wasn't an attack. I felt I'm, like I felt attacked. I would probably be guilty of it in the future. <laughs> I look forward to being guilty of it in the future. <laughs> yes. Where yeah. I sit Henley down and I say... It's good for you, so eat that boy. Yeah, shut up and eat it. Yeah, <laughs> not like eat that boy because I don't want to eat other, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. We're not cannibals over here. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Shall we get uh, cracking on tonight's well, podcast? Yes, we should. What are we, what are we talking about, Simon? We're to- <laughs> Did you not prepare your notes? Uh, <laughs> let me just do it quickly now. Mm. No, we're doing fennel tonight, today. <laughs> Whenever you're listening to this, <laughs> right now. We re- well, we record at night. There you go. Yeah, we um, do. most of the time. Mm. Uh, yeah, fennel. I'm excited. How often do you use fennel? I actually cook with fennel semi regularly. Well, there you go. I, I I would love to cook with it more. Yeah. Okay. I can't remember the last time I used it. Really? No. Got no uh, idea. I mean, I've definitely used it in the past, but I can't remember. Mm. And probably more seeds than the the fresh bulb. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Man, I I've got a lot to take you through with cooking tonight. Cool. It's 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 a beautiful thing. I love I love fennel. Mm. Um, so I, I'm just I'm really excited about that. But you know, in terms of the history, which is also what I'm covering tonight, it is wide and very long and i Excellent. apologize in advance to everyone who no i'm not apologizing look at that um 
Yeah, it's, just shut up and listen. <laughs> it's incredibly informative and I had no idea about mm -hmm. this. So I'm really excited to tell you about it because, as I said to you during the week, it's very similar to pomegranate. It's It's got a really long history. Yeah, I so, had no idea. Mm. It's uh, it's going to be fun. Look, well, shall we start off yeah, as we say, say yeah. in the interest of keeping yeah. this podcast palatable? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do not eat the podcast. No. Facts. Let's do it. <laughs> Facts. Okay. Did you know that the Malaysian towers are resembling the fennel plant? Are they really? Yeah. The Patronus Towers? Yeah. No way. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah. yeah. How about that? Yeah. That, that, yeah, I guess when you look at the way it grows and it, yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. How about that, eh? Mm. How about that? Uh, <laughs> have you got one for me? I do. I do. Okay. Um, this one shocked me when I read it. Fennel is one of the primary ingredients of absinthe. That makes a lot of sense now that I yeah. know it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that's weird, right? I mean, not weird, but weird. It could make sense, but it's weird that you didn't know that in the first place. Yeah, well, I didn't really think about what was in absinthe. Yeah. There you wow. go. Wow, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, so fennel spreads really quickly. Yes, yeah, and it's actually considered to be a weed in the United States and also in Australia. Mm. Uh, in 2010, the Los Angeles Times wrote an article on fennel conquering the city. Wow, okay. Yeah. You kind of gave away how easy it is to grow. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> sorry about that. Was that <laughs> no, your whole segment? That was <laughs> in it. In my one sentence? It was Jeez. a weed, so just keep an eye out for it. <laughs> it's a weed, so keep an eye out. <laughs> wow. And that's how you grow fennel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't. I, I mean, I knew it, it um, was a weed, but, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Mm. You got any more for me? Yeah, mate. So uh, there is sugar-coated and uncoated fennel seeds are used in, in India in makwas mm -hmm. as an after-meal snack and breath freshener. Mm. I did read that. Was that one of your facts? No. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Breath freshener. Mm, nothing like a bit of licorice. Yeah. Well, it kind of makes sense uh, a little bit like Fisherman's Friends. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Quite potent, but they do the job. Mm -hmm. Okay. This one is another one for you. After stealing several... Oh, Man, I've really got to slow my words down tonight. After stealing seven fennels from a garden, the equivalent of a few euros, three guys ended up in jail for six years. What? Yeah. Now, you, you think about this and you're like, oh, man, that must have been ages ago. But no, in Alcamo in Italy the judge committed three Moroccans uh, for that happening in 2013. There's got to be more to it. Those guys have to have had a record or something. No.
All right, so we move on to the history then. Yeah, let's let's get into it because I know okay. you've got got a lot to to pass okay. on. So the Fennel's actually a member of the Carrot family, and we've got a really wild ride that's coming up with the history of the Fennel. So this aromatic vegetable, um, which can remind you a little bit of aniseed or licorice, but it's a lot more than just that. It's got a lot of different qualities uh, through history that they have used it for, from improving cellular metabolism, uh, it's a diuretic, it's a detoxifier, soothing intestines and calming nerves. Uh, in the 17th century, an English doctor, William Cole, actually wrote that those who have become fat and indolent use the seeds, leaves, and the roots in drinks and soups in order to lose weight and become slim and trim. Mm, I did read that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but we're not going to start there because that's up in the 1600s or 1700s, as you say. We're going to start way back in Greek mythology, and nice. then we're going to move on to the Romans, as we usually do, and then we're going to move into a little bit of English folklore. Sounds good. Beautiful. All right, let's start with Greek history. So in that Mediterranean region, it's really where fennel originated, uh, and there were different kinds of wild fennel. They were all characterized by light green, this fine uh, filigree, uh, little yellow umbrella-shaped blossoms that, that flower out of the top of them. Um, and everywhere they were grown was regarded as sacred and healing. So in ancient Greece, wild fennel played a central role, uh, central role in the mystery cults. Giant fennel, which grows up to nine feet high, that's three metres for everyone that we know, mm. uh, was actually dedicated to Prometheus, the god of fire. Yep. Now, I don't know if you know much about Prometheus apart from the movie. Just the movie. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I, so I know a this little This has nothing bit. to do with aliens. No, I know a little okay. bit about Greek mythology, but not heaps. Yeah, that's okay. I don't know heaps about it either. I know that there's a guy called Zeus. Mm. Uh, I know that there's some other people like Hercules. And he had a son called Hercules. <laughs> there's a dude called Achilles that's yeah. played by Brad Pitt. Yeah. Uh, and that's about as far as my Greek mythology goes back. No, mm. I know Medusa and you know, there's a couple of other things. Anyway, let's not dilly-dally. So Prometheus was the son of Zeus. Now, as the story goes, Prometheus was given the task of actually inhabiting the earth. So he used clay and mud to mold the image of man uh, in that of the gods. So he kind of molded man after the gods. That's what uh, this Greek mythology kind of talks about. Uh, he then gave man life and taught him how to plant the crops and make food out of them. But man lacked one crucial element and that was fire. Mm. So he went to Zeus and he asked permission to give man the gift of fire and also how to actually use it. But Zeus was was like very anti, anti that. Mm -hmm. So fire was just for the gods to use. So one day Prometheus hid a burning ember from the fires of Mount Olympus in this stalk of a fennel. 
Mm. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with fennel stalk, but they're hollow. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And when we're talking about giant fennel, which grows three meters high, we're talking about quite a large fennel stalk that there's, you know, that he's hiding this burning, burning ember in. Yeah. So he goes down to earth and he gives it to man. Now Zeus finds out. Of course he does. Well, he's kind of watching over earth, right? Yeah. And it's pretty hard not to notice the fire going when it's pitch dark at night time. Yeah, who's sending smoke signals? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who left the light on down there? <laughs> <laughs> so when Zeus found out, he was furious. And he actually took Prometheus to a remote place and he tied him to a rock with chains that only he could uh, break. And each day he sent an eagle to eat his liver. And then Excellent. it would regenerate his liver every day after that. Uh, so that's the story of Prometheus. Now, the story goes on a little bit more uh, that Zeus was still really pissed at, at this whole process. And he actually... Uh, made woman resembling Aphrodite from white marble and gave her life. Now, uh, that first woman that he brought down to earth and gave to man uh, in the marriage ceremony, her name was Pandora. Oh. Ah, I know. Now, we all know of Pandora mm -hmm. and Pandora's box, mm. which is basically the birth of evil. So as the wedding gift, Zeus has a jeweled box made and given to the woman with instructions not to open it. Now, of course, one day she couldn't contain herself and she peeks inside the box and out flows the woes of the world. Um, In but she form quick... of pomegranate. <clears throat> Correct. <laughs> pomegranate seeds sprayed yeah. out. Um so, but she quickly closed it with hope, hope actually remaining in the box. Yeah. Now that was all caused by this one small ember that was found in the stalk of a fennel. Wow. Crazy, huh? So we've got everything to blame on fennel? Or? Well, it's, it's funny because fennel actually is like really well respected throughout all the history. So we'll get into more of it and yep. it's really well, well regarded. So it's odd that the Greek mythology is about him taking fire down to earth in the stalk of a fennel, but obviously fennel had some place in Greek mythology. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually more not interested, but, more drawn to the fact that Zeus happened to have some chains that only he could undo. Yeah. He just had them laying around. Yeah, he took them from Aphrodite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet he did. Yeah. Only I can break these. <laughs> okay. We digress. Mm -hmm. So, the Theros, which is a wand or scepter, uh, that the Greek god of inebriation, Dionysius, used to rule over his female followers, is said to be made of a fennel stalk and decorated with ivy and pine cones. There's also in Greek, oh, this 
Okay, so this next part's probably my favorite thing about the Greek mythology. So, in the ancient Greek language, fennel is actually called marathon. Oh, yes. Yep. yep. I read this. Yep. Oh, oh, did you? I read it when I was looking up facts. You've yep. ruined it for me, mate. No, keep going. Okay. Uh, marathon or fennel field. Okay. And it's the name of the location in 409 BC where the Greeks defeated the Persians. Yep. Now, the Persians had a much larger. Uh, a much larger army, and it wasn't there. The Greeks weren't expected to win this this battle. So, as the story goes, a messenger. Then, after they won this victory, the messenger ran to Athens and shouted that the victory is ours before he collapsed and died from exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Now, it just so happens that that particular journey from Marathon to Athens was 42 kilometres. 42.2. Yeah, well. <laughs> 26 miles. <laughs> Correct. Um, so, and that's why uh, the marathon is actually named after this. So due to this dramatic incident with fennel, uh, fennel actually came to symbolise courage and victory and success. And That is, that is cool. Yeah. yeah. And so... You know, marathon races are still carried out ritually in Olympic Games. We all know this. Um, Warriors uh, later on actually ate fennel and rubbed themselves down with fennel juice in order to succeed in battle. And the victors were crowned with aromatic fennel foliage. That is interesting. Yeah. It's It's (laughs) It's so interesting. When I say interesting, I mean you think about these warriors right and because back then it was a lot more brutal than it is today i think Mm. the military i don't want to say more civilized but it's less less um confrontational you know if they're shooting guns and everything they're they're not really in each other's faces oh back then it was you know melee hand to hand you're 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 right in the middle of it so you've got you've got these like hardened warriors and you know, they're using, you're talking about fennel and last last episode we're talking about pomegranate being used with the Persians and all their yep. spears and everything. And yep. they're, you know, they're putting a crown of fennel on the head. I'm just trying to think about that in today's society where you've got the military and they, like. <laughs> Adorning themselves with yeah. fennel. Uh, <laughs> you're going past them going, dude, man, these guys smell like licorice. What are they, what are they doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, we've, lost, we've lost some of that. Um, we have, yeah. I don't know. I don't even know what word to to give it. It's just well, it's there's some it's sort of connection missing. Superstition. And, yeah, you know, because the, these connections were were based on mythological events and history that that wasn't actually, I guess, wasn't proven in science. Mm. It was more, you know, we believe this to be the truth so we will do this you know i I love science and the facts and knowing how things work and that sort of thing Mm. but it feels like our pursuit of knowledge and Mm. understanding everything has taken away from our ability to um i don't know uh, use something as a symbol or aspire to or i don't know like it it feels like it's changed because oh no we couldn't use that now because we know that it's this this and this and this so it's lost it's lost it's it's symbolism 
Yes. I don't know. Yes. It feels like it's the taking zeal. away from that. Yeah. Yeah, I understand what you're saying by that. Mm. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> our, our ability to have faith in something outside mm. of science. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're getting very religious on me, mate. But uh, okay. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, thanks for pulling my head in on that one. I'll yeah, that's okay. Back. I will. <laughs> now, uh, the ancients were actually convinced that evil, disease-causing spirits could be conquered. Uh, conquered. You're doing well today, mate. I know. Conquered with this strong plant. Now, the physicians Hippocrates and Diosocrates highly recommended fennel for bladder and kidney ailments, also for nausea and heartburn, and for the bites of poisonous animals, as we know with most things that we talk about. They also use it as an eye medicine. They use it as a remedy for menstruation irregularities. Mm -hmm. And this is the part that uh, Jamie wised me up on. They actually used it to increase milk secretion in nursing mothers. Yes. Which has actually persisted in many parts of the world to this day. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm jumping forward a little bit here, but in many South American cultures, they boil the seeds in milk to promote good health for mm -hmm. nursing mothers. Yep. Yeah. How interesting. Yes, it is it is fascinating. Yeah. Mm. Now that that uh milk secretion kind of makes its way through all of the history that I was looking into. Yep. So it's very very prevalent in Roman history, it's very prevalent in English history, it's very prevalent in even nineteen nineteen hundreds and into today. Yeah. I just Flicking through my notes because I know that I um, came across that, but I've got a strange feeling that I decided to not put it in mm. because there was lack of actual evidence. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, I have to check that one. Maybe that's one of the things that we don't need evidence for. We just take as yeah. this is what happens. But yes, yeah. I did. It is quite commonly known, and that and um, uh, fenugreek seeds as well. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Now, we're moving on to Roman history now. Mm -hmm. Now, for the Romans, fennel was no less important. The, the seeds and the herbage and the roots all had, you know, very much healing properties from what they thought. Now, Galen from uh, 129 AD to 216 AD, he was the founder of humoral pathology and he actually assigned medicinal properties to Hennel as being uh, warm to the third degree and dry to the first degree. The effects were described as warming, diuretic, diluting, widening for uh, blockage in the glands, dissipating and loosening. So in other words, it kind of purged all the bad fluids. Mm -hmm. Now, Galen also talked about milk flow and menstruation with mm -hmm. fennel as well. Mm -hmm. um, the next part I found really interesting as well because it kind of leads back into the Greek mythology as well. According to some traditions, the Roman gladiators mixed fennel with their food in order to be successful in the, the arena. And if a gladiator won, they were crowned with fennel garland. There you go. Yeah, so this is moving from the Greeks to the Romans. There's still, you know these crowns of fennel mm. that keep getting placed upon victorious warriors. Yep. Yeah. 
Roman soldiers also chewed the seeds before battle to strengthen their confidence and fear. Uh, well, not strengthen their fear, but, you know, dissipate the fear. Their um, ability to conquer the fear. Yeah. And ancient Romans actually viewed the plant as the herb of sight as well. So it was thought to clear their eyes for battle. Mm-hmm. Mm. There you go. Uh, Pliny. The Elder oh, takes another mention in this as well because he's obviously the, you know, philosopher and author of the uh, encyclopedia that we spoke about in the Parsley uh, yep. episode. Was so, it, uh, natura- no, hi- yeah, history, Historia Naturalis. Well, Naturalis Historia, I think so it is. So, Parsley, you did a thing on Pliny, didn't you? Yeah, so yeah. if you want to know a little bit more about Pliny the Elder, we did a little sidebar in the episode of Parsley, so you can definitely listen to that and you'll hear a good five to ten minutes about Pliny. It's very, very interesting guy. Um, and he actually said that fennel has a wonderful property in terms of mundifying or cleansing our sight and taking away the film that overcasts and dims our eyes. Yeah, interesting. Mm. Yeah. So the Romans also used it as a spice, uh, the raw vegetable as well. Uh, they used to season their vinegar, breads, broths, pickled olives and with the seeds, and then they added the foliage to their salads and soups, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Now we're moving on into Anglo-Saxon history. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Anglo-Saxons actually held fennel sacred as well. And the Emperor Charlemagne, who we talk about quite a lot, the gardens of Charlemagne. Yep. Um, he declared in 812 AD that fennel was essential in every garden because of its healing properties. Wow, every garden. Every garden. Now, we're talking about Charlemagne's garden. It's well-renowned through history as, yep. you know, this fabled garden that had mm. basically the who's who of the plant kingdom. Yep, all the yep. good ones. Mm. Yeah. So... Now, in Anglo-Saxon history, fennel was also considered to be one of the best means of driving off the devils and demons and cleansing the body fluids. Mm-hmm. Uh, like other aromatic herbs like dill, lavage, oregano, thyme, sage, and rue, it repels the invisible swirling astral bodies of the wicked witches. So, yeah, okay. I just, I just had this... Random thought that I actually, it feels like I should have considered this earlier and I feel silly, but um, they talk about warding off evil and, you know, the witches and all that sort of stuff. And I, yeah. I, I just thought now that there's so much stuff that happened and we're talking about our pursuit of knowledge. There was things that were happening to them that they didn't understand, like physiological things that they mm-hmm. didn't understand. So they link it with some supernatural, you know, it's the devil inside you or whatever, but it could have just been like you were constipating, you need to do a really big poo or something. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep, totally. But that's well, why. That is the devil trying to get out, man. <laughs> exactly. So when, when you bring up stuff like, you know, it's thought to have, you know, gotten the evil spirit out or whatever. Yeah. I mean, we link it with something religious yeah. or spiritual. Yeah. But. It probably was actually just something physiological. 
Yeah, well, they say, they keep saying it's a diuretic, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. it's just going to cleanse and just push, yeah. push everything out. And then, yeah, in the lack of information they had, they, of course, mm. went straight to the supernatural. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it was a mythical time because yeah. science was in its infancy. Yes, that's right. Now, next part. Mm. Religious legend claims that fennel was one of the herbs that relieved the Saviour's pain as he hung upon the cross. Okay. Yeah, as stated in the 10th century nine herb charm, which is the Lacnunga of the Anglo-Saxons. Now, the nine sacred plants were, and I'll read them all to you, there was mugwort, plantain, lamb's cress, betony, chamomile, nettle, crabapple, Chervil and fennel. There you go. How about that? Yeah. Now, I've never had, I've heard of mugwort before. Yeah, me too. Never had it. Or I think maybe I've had it in mixes of herbal stuff with other things. Mm-hmm. Plantain, I know what plantains are, so that's fantastic. They're kind of like an old banana for anyone who doesn't know what they are, but not like a banana. Kind like of. an old, like it's like it's been sitting there too long and it's really old. Or? <laughs> it's a black banana because it's just been sitting on the bench forever. It's a really old banana. That's it. Um, no, a plantain is an uh, what bananas used to be, and they're yeah. quite a lot larger, quite tough. Um, so it's a little bit different to what we know as as a banana. Now we're moving on to the 17th century now. The English herbalist Nicholas Culpepper. Now, I think we've spoken about Nicholas Culpepper in a couple of other episodes as well. Now, he wrote that fennel provokes urine and helps to break and or ease pains caused by kidney stones. Okay. Really useful to get rid of kidney stones, so that was pretty cool. Now, fennel leaves or seeds boiled in barley water increases the quantity of breast milk in nursing mothers and the quality and wholesomeness of the milk. Uh, they also believe that the leaves, when boiled in water, will stop the hiccough. Um, what else did they have? They had fennel leaves to reduce stomach upsetness in fevered persons. They had So these are a whole lot of different types of ways that you can have it that, that he was writing about. So fennel seed boiled in wine was really good for those bitten by snakes or who people who... The sting of a serpent. (laughs) I know, mate. The sting of a serpent. I feel like we can't get away from snakes. Yeah. They're everywhere back in these times. Mm, So Snakes were prolific. Mm. Well, I like that they're using fennel seed boiled in wine for snake bites. That's kind of cool. I'd be down with that. It's almost like a mulled wine. Get this mother snake off this <laughs> chariot. <laughs> uh, it was also used, that same remedy was used for those who had eaten poisonous uh, herbs or mushrooms. Uh, they also boil, uh, they also had the seeds and the roots of the fennel that they used to uh, open obstructions of the liver and the spleen. They also use it to reduce yellow jaundice. So jaundice, uh, if you, uh, well, it's a yellowing of the skin. It's common with babies. It probably yeah. was a lot more common back then. 
They also used fennel seed to prepare medicines to help with shortness of breath and wheezing. Um, uh, then they go on to that same old thing as well. Preparations of, you know, fennel leaves and seeds and roots mixed with water in a broth to make a fat person lean. Okay. <laughs> I just love that they always call them fat people. Like, fat people need to be lean, so we're going to shove this fennel down their throat. Yeah. Um, and again, to help with eyesight. So there are common themes that are moving through. Yeah, I'm noticing some yeah. um, common themes with what I'm going to talk about as well. Well, that's yeah. interesting. So, I mean, from folk and from history, it tells us that they use this predominantly for breast milk, you know, soothing stomachs and upsetness and you know using it as a diuretic and for eyesight from what i can see is like the main reasons for it mm -hmm. and obviously mm -hmm. for snake bites so i'm really interested if we got a bit of snake bite uh science to go behind this <laughs> we'll see how we go snake science yeah that's it uh Okay, so I found it really interesting. So that's kind of a, a little bit with the English stuff. I'm going to keep going in with the English, uh, you know, history. There's a German folktale as well that I found that claims that the fennel plant is as effective as holy water in driving off the dwarves and elves. And they actually, so the, the English children used to wear a sachet of fennel seeds as a necklace to protect them from the evil eye. And they also used to shove uh, fennel into the keyholes of the door. So this is actually in, in French uh, uh, history. They used to shove fennel into the keyholes of the door in case a magician wants to enter the room through the keyhole. The fennel will show you your presence and power and you'll be too afraid to enter. Wow. How cool is that? Mm, we should all start shoving fennel into our <laughs> keyholes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there's a little bit more about the the German history, but I'm going to move on from that, and we're going to move into uh, Shakespeare's time. Mm. So during Shakespeare's time, fennel actually served as an emblem of flattery. Uh, and Italians of the era would say, der finocchio. So finocchio is another word for fennel as well, So which means to, to give fennel or to give flattery. Yeah, okay. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's a 1930 recipe that attributed, you know, attributed to the master cook of the court of King Richard II that included the following ingredients, borage, fennel, garlic, leeks, mint, Welsh onions, parsley, purslane, rosemary, rue, sage, and watercress. That sounds like a very interesting combination. It does sound really interesting, but I the, the most interesting part for me is that we've done fennel, garlic, we've done parsley, parsley we've done yeah. sage, yeah. and all of them have really long histories and are exceptionally good for you. Yeah. With you know, we talk about them having this, just having so many nutrients in such a small, yeah, a small amount that you take from it. So yeah. there's there's something in these old 
stews that they did for the kings and for yeah. the well, know, I mean royalty. this this was their medicine, right? Like, exactly. Quite quite intriguing. Mm. Now I'm going to jump right forward now into the 1900s where W.H.M. Cook actually wrote that from an early period of medical history, fennel seed has been accredited with the power of increasing the secretion of milk. Hmm. Its use for this purpose is most extensive in Germany, but leading physicians of many countries ascribe to its excellent power in this direction. The infusion of the seed may be used without limitation. He also said that the fruit, the seeds of fennel, are quite fragrant and are among the most relaxing and least pungent of the aromatics. Um, and then he just goes on to say they're usually better received by the stomach than cumin or dill seeds, and they are also more relaxing than these, uh, but more stimulating than aniseed. There you go. How about that? And that is the history of fennel. That's yeah, fascinating. Well, maybe we should uh, talk about some of the nutritional and medicinal properties I of would fennel. I would love that. Do you have any idea about anything apart from the breast milk? No. Mm. I, and, I mean, all I'm going off what I know is the history. Yep. That's it. I read literally nothing about yep. the nutrition. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, I knew nothing. And my knowledge before this was zilch. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd heard people through the health food shop talking about fennel in terms of milk production. Mm. Oh, have you? Uh, yeah. But um, outside of that, I really didn't know anything. Okay. Yeah. So this was this was interesting. I mean, it's not it's not mind blowing like some of the other stuff we've talked about. You know, parsley and sage, and yeah, yeah. I mean, even snow peas was like that was mind blowing because yeah. it was understated. But um, this is quite interesting. So okay. what I'm going to do is just run through some of the nutritional profile in terms of um, vitamins and minerals in both the fresh bulb and the seeds because yep. it's all the whole thing's edible. You can eat the bulb, you can eat the stalks, you can eat the, mm -hmm. the little stems or use them as a garnish, garnish, and then you can eat the seeds. But I'm going to talk about bulb and seeds, right? So, And normally I'd scale it up to 100 grams, but the bulb, the general nutritional profile for a bulb is 87 grams, so I'm just going to leave it at 87 and um, the dried seeds, I'm oh, going to do Oh, really? It. Yeah. Come on, man. No. Well, I can't change it now. <laughs> <laughs> and the I dried we, seeds. I think we'll all we'll live with 87 grams. Mate. I think so as well. And the dried seeds, we're going to look at six grams, right? But um, okay. let's go with the, the fresh bulb. So some notable things are there's three grams of fiber, so it's pretty, pretty high in fiber. Mm -hmm. um, you've got 12% of your uh, daily intake of vitamin C. You've got three percent calcium, four percent iron, four percent magnesium, eight percent potassium, seven percent manganese. So nothing in there is like mind-blowingly yeah, massive. But, but a lot go. of the things that we've spoken about before don't have manganese as a high thing. Don't have magnesium yeah. as a high component well, of it. I'm, I'm actually really glad you went there because yeah. what I'm going to do further down is a little sidebar on manganese. Oh, good. Yeah. So I really just. You know, we talk about vitamin C and we talk about all those other stuff and manganese kind of gets glossed over. So I'm going to 
really expand on the, the manganese side because 7% in um, a fennel bulb at 87 grams is quite high. But when you go across to the seeds, it's 17% manganese in oh, wow. 6 grams. So oh, wow. super high in manganese yeah. in the seeds, right? That's so interesting. Yeah. So I'm glad you went to the mm-hmm. to, to that point. Um, yeah, so in the seeds, you know, it's 1% of your vitamin C, 5% calcium. And bear in mind, this is only in 6 grams, right? So 5% calcium, 6% iron, wow. 5% magnesium, 2% potassium. Is that your daily amount yeah. that you need? Yeah. In 6 grams of six fennel grams. seeds. So super, super concentrated calcium, iron, magnesium, and manganese, 17%. So manganese is the standout here. Wow. Right? But – it also has a bunch of other stuff in there, right? So you've got phosphorus, zinc, copper, selenium, niacin, pantothenic acid, folate, choline, beta-carotene, and lutein. So you're talking about vision in mm-hmm. the historical uses where you've got beta-carotene and lutein, which are both yep. linked to, to better vision. Yep. Zeaxanthin, vitamin E, and vitamin K, right? So there's a bunch of stuff going on in there. I thought you said this wasn't cool. It, it, no, I didn't say it wasn't <laughs> cool. I said it was interesting. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, the bulb is a great source of vitamin C. And vitamin C, we've talked about, it's powerful antioxidant. Yep. Um, if you want to find out more about vitamin C, I covered it in a bit more detail in Parsley, I think it was. Yes, I think so. Um, yeah, so you can... But we're going to have another little mini episode on it at some stage as well. Yeah, good. Yep, okay. So keep your um, eyes out for the, the mini episode. But like I said, manganese is in both the bulb and the seed, but more notably the seed in higher concentration. Mm-hmm. So I figured we'd we'd look into what it is. It's a trace mineral that your body needs in actually only really small amounts, and it's required for normal functioning of brain, nervous system, and a lot of the enzymatic systems and processes that happen in the body, right? So you... unlike vitamin C, your body can't produce it or store it. You kind of have to keep feeding yourself vitamin C all the time. The body can store about up to about 20 milligrams of manganese and it stores it in several locations. So you've got kidney, liver, pancreas, and some in your bones, and then the rest you get from your diet and it'll kind of try and keep your stores topped up, okay? Okay. So when you combine it with specific nutrients, it can actually support bone density and um, and obviously that comes into play in older adults when you're talking about osteoporosis and that sort of thing. Yep. But interestingly, the the things that it has to be combined with, right, calcium, zinc, and copper all mm. combine with manganese to support bone health, right? So what did I read up earlier? Zinc, mm-hmm. copper, calcium, right? Mm. You know, they're all in there for bone health. Um, it's like the perfectly crafted seed for it. Exactly, right? It's all there, ready to go, okay? Wow. It also plays a, a, a part in a, an antioxidant enzyme called superoxide dismutase, right, or SOD for short, right? And this SOD is considered to be incredibly important. It specifically helps combat the negative effects by free radicals, um, and they convert them uh, this superoxide, it's one of the most dangerous types of free radicals, and this SOD converts it into a smaller molecule that um, can't damage your cells. Okay. So this this superoxide is the what they consider to be the most dangerous free radical. Okay. And manganese is, contributes to the the product that breaks it down. Okay. So wow. it's it's needed in that enzymatic process. That's cool. 
Yeah, so because of its role in this um, SOD, manganese is thought to help reduce inflammation when you combine it with glucosamine and chondroitin. So um, people who have had arthritis or anything would would probably know glucosamine chondroitin. You can buy you know yeah. lots of that stuff off the shelf as a supplement, right? Another thing is manganese, appear, manganese appears to play a, a role in regulating blood sugar. So there have mm-hmm. been multiple studies that have shown people with diabetes, they have lower manganese blood levels. The researchers, though, are still trying to determine if the low levels of manganese contribute to developing, to developing diabetes or if the diabetic state in the body causes low manganese levels. So there's still, okay. still some research to do there, but it, yeah. it looks like they're linked one way or the other. Yeah. Um, but manganese is actually heavily concentrated in the pancreas. It's pr- um, involved in the production of insulin, right, which mm-hmm. I had no idea about that. I didn't realize and that either. So insulin, for people who don't know, it helps to remove uh, sugar from the bloodstream. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you know, manganese is thought to contribute to the proper secretion of insulin, which therefore helps stabilize blood sugar. So you've got that blood sugar effect as well. Yeah. Um, manganese is a known vasodilator. So we've discussed this in the beetroot podcast specifically. We, yep. we talk about vasodilation. So manganese is a known vasodilator and that means it, you know, uh, opens up the veins. You can carry more blood and oxygen and nutrients to muscle and tissue and brain and that sort of thing. So adequate levels of manganese um, may help uh, increase uh, blood flow and decrease your risk of health conditions like strokes and that sort of thing as well. So, And then there's blood pressure and that, that plays into the vasodilation. Uh, it helps activate uh, enzymes in metabolism. So I talked earlier that it plays a role in a lot of um, enzymatic processes in the body. Mm. Um, it helps with protein and amino acid digestion and utilization as well as the metabolism of cholesterol and carbohydrates. So that's a big one there in terms of yeah, digestion. Wow. Uh it can help your body utilize a number of vitamins such as choline, thymine, vitamin C, vitamin E, and helps with proper liver function. And I, the liver function can play into the jaundice thing as well, I think. But when you look at manganese helps the body utilize a number of vitamins. Choline, I talked about is what's in the seed. I didn't mm. say thymine, but vitamin C and vitamin E are both in the seed. So mm. they're all working together. Far um, out, right, man. The seed sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm talking about manganese, but there's a lot in the seed. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, whenever we talk about manganese, you need to think about uh, all of this stuff that I'm I'm bringing out, right? Yes. This is also interested that it plays a role in the production of thyroxine, and thyroxine is a hormone that is important for um, the normal function of the thyroid gland. Now, the thyroid gland kind of helps maintain appetite, metabolism, weight, and organ efficiency. So sometimes people are putting on weight and, you know, they can't lose it. They generally look at whether the thyroid's functioning properly. But um, manganese kind of plays into helping thyroxine as a hormone that leads to proper thyroid function. So So they weren't too wrong with the weight loss in the the history. Well, no. No, I don't think they would they were far off at all. I mean, they, mm. they could have been looking at diuretic effects or yeah. um, depending on who they gave it to, I'm going to talk more in the medicinal side about um, mm. some other things that might play into that. 
Um, yeah, so there's some research shows that applying manganese, calcium, and zinc, again, all found in the seed, uh, to chronic wounds for 12 weeks could improve healing as well. So there's some healing wow. properties there. Um, but probably more research needs to be done there. But, I mean, that that's a really quick, like, bang, bang, bang. These are all the different mm. things that manganese can do. So, yeah. I mean, I found that just super interesting right there because the seed is quite high at 17% in only 6 grams. That's that's some pretty pretty high levels there, concentrated levels. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, really interesting, and I had no idea about that. I, I have fennel seeds in the cupboard. And so do I. Last time I used them. Yeah, we use them tonight. What you use them on? Oh, oh Jamie... we save that for later. <laughs> <clears throat> no, I'll tell you now. But uh, Jamie boiled some in her milk for her hot chocolate. Uh, yeah, because I told yeah. her, and, and we were yeah. discussing the, yeah. the whole milk secretion. The milk. So yeah. she was like, "Well, let's give it a go and see what happens." Mm. Yeah, right. that's cool. So, yeah, very good. Did she? And that way, it kind of. Well, she didn't even notice it was there. Oh, and to yeah. me, that's a win. Yeah. Right. Yep. If you don't know it's there, but you're getting extra nutrients. Oh, of course. It's yeah. a win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hopefully the, uh, you know, the hot chocolate part of it wasn't cancelling anything out. But you know, it should, should <laughs> be right. It's all crossed. good, man, because it's like helping manage your insulin levels. So yeah, that's all sweet, yeah. man. So yeah. it's it's well, all good. There's lots of other stuff going on. Let me tell you. Mm. Yep. Um. So let's keep moving on, right? <laughs> some some of fennel's more impressive benefits come from the antioxidants that are in uh, the plant. So uh, there's an essential oil of the plant has been shown to contain more than 87 volatile compounds, including the polyphenol antioxidants rosmarinic acid, chlorogenic acid, quercetane, and apigenin. Now, I can't wow. remember when I spoke about apigenin. Was that parsley? I don't think so. Yeah. Well, we have we have brought up a couple of times. I know you've mm. spoken about it, and I've spoken about it. But uh, yeah, yeah, the the fennels, yeah, eighty seven of these different compounds, including these polyphenol antioxidants. And we are going to do a a, a short little snippet on polyphenol antioxidants. We are uh, so keep your eyes out for that one. Yep. But um, just a really quick snapshot: the the polyphenol antioxidants are really potent anti-inflammatories, mm. and um, they can have um, some pretty pretty powerful effects on your health. And there are some studies that suggest people who follow diets rich in these type of antioxidants have lower risk of chronic conditions like heart disease, obesity, cancer, neurological diseases, uh, and type 2 diabetes. So all of the really big um, major chronic illnesses that our world faces today. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's only, only good effect if you can keep increasing that antioxidant consumption. Absolutely. There is one particularly fascinating uh, phytonutrient that exists in fennel, and it's called uh, anathiol, and it's the primary component of uh, of this volatile oil. And in some animal studies, uh, this anathiol—I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but I'm going with it. <laughs> and this anathiol uh, has repeatedly shown to reduce inflammation and help prevent the occurrence of cancer. The thought is that it shuts down this. Um, in, intercellular, so cell-to-cell signaling system yep. called tumor necrosis factor. And so by shutting off this this signaling system, what they're doing is preventing this gene 
this gene-altering molecule that's quite strong and powerful, and it prevents it from activating. So when it prevents this gene alter activating, there's less chance of um, like genetic mutation and changes. And mm. so that's this cancer prevention. So you're not causing those problems. Oh my gosh, man, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah, super interesting, right? I and just love that they have been able to get it down to knowing that the cells cell send a signal that's yeah. a certain type of signal to another cell to make it mutate. And they're like, well, we're testing this thing to make it not send this signal. I know. It's, it's like, okay. It's mind-blowing. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this 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 phytonutrient called anathiol is actually thought to be behind the appetite-suppressing qualities of the plant, but they mm. need to do more research into that. But really it's more about this kind of um, cancer prevention rather mm-hmm. than um, a slowdown or, you know, so it's more, more about preventing it from happening in the first place, which is yeah, okay. pretty cool. Oh, well, that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, earlier I talked about the vasodilation property. So the, there are nitrates present in fennel and in, they act as a vasodilator. And just to recap what we've talked about before, really good for heart health and blood pressure and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, the fiber, potassium, folate, vitamin C, and vitamin B6, plus the phytonutrient content in fennel, uh, all support heart health. So it's not just the nitrates or it's not just one thing. You've got all these things working together that really go into supporting heart health. Mm -hmm. And there are actually significant amounts of fiber in, in fennel, I mentioned earlier. Fiber also decreases the risk of heart disease as it helps reduce cholesterol in the blood. Uh, so really good for blood pressure, but also overall heart health. Uh, we talked about cancer in terms of the anathiol phytonutrient, yep. but we've also got the benefit from there is selenium in in fennel, and selenium it, it's primarily found in Brazil nuts, an animal protein, but it's uh, it, there is some in fennel. The selenium contributes to liver enzyme function and helps kind of detoxify some of the cancer-causing compounds that exist in the body. So, again, we're looking at liver function, which Mm -hmm. could play into the jaundice stuff that you were talking about earlier Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Um, It can also, the selenium can also prevent uh, inflammation and decrease tumor growth rates. So, in addition to this, you've got high fiber, which we've talked about in the past, particularly insoluble fiber helps lower the risk of colon cancer. Mm-hmm. Then you've got your antioxidants like vitamin C and A fighting free radicals. They all kind of work together to help reduce your overall risk of cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, selenium has also been found to stimulate the production of what they call T cells. Now they, or they call them killer T cells. They're, they're, um, T-cells are kind of the body's response to uh, an immune response to kill off uh, viruses and that sort of thing. So selenium can help with your immune response in production of T-cells. And then you've got, uh, which I found this really interesting, but uh, estrogen actually occurs naturally in fennel. So now your mind's mind's racing – Uh, This didn't specifically say, but I would have thought probably the bulbs, but Mm -hmm. if not both, Mm because most of this stuff occurs in both in different quantities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, so you know, you think back about all the stuff you said in the historical, like um, uh, menstruation and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. milk production and all yeah. of this stuff, right? So fennel has estrogen in it. I mean, yeah. it starts to make sense. Right? Yeah. Um, so estrogen helps regulate the female reproductive cycle and uh, helps helps with fertility and you know all the other stuff that goes with it. But it's amazing. I had no idea. That uh, is so cool. Yeah. Do you still want to eat fennel? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I do, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm still going to eat it. Yeah. Uh, so there was a study that was uh, conducted on mice in the University of Texas Medical Center. They found that estrogen plays an important role in controlling factors that contribute to body weight, such as appetite, body fat distribution, and energy expenditure. So. Wow. We're talking about the the weight conversation yeah. again, so definitely um, definitely something to to look at there in terms of weight. Mm. But um, just a you know, it really really well balanced plant in terms of uh, helping reduce your overall risk of cancer. Really great for your um, heart health and and blood pressure. Yeah. You've got the ability to regulate blood sugar. Um, then you've got those. 87 different um, polyphenol antioxidants that exist in there as well, and the antioxidant and the manganese, everything like they all really just come together to make a, I think, a pretty interesting food choice. I love it, man. Yeah, it's really impressive. Cool, it's a little bit different to what we've done before as well. It is, which is what I like about it. Yeah. Yeah, some of the ones I felt like we were repeating things, but now it's yeah, a lot of vitamin K and you know all that sort of stuff. But this, I love manganese. It's yeah, it's love it. It's really cool. Yeah, but mate, Mm. that is the nutrition and medicine of fennel. I was just thinking about the last time I ate fennel seeds, but. I've definitely been to cafes that have them in like a dukkha or something. Like yeah. not a dukkha, but a similar. Yeah. 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 Well, let's talk cooking. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So fennel is probably one of my favorite tastes that I have. I like quite like the, that licorice anise yeah, type flavor. Me yeah. too. I'm a big fan of it. And it doesn't – I mean, if you don't like that flavor – it doesn't have to be overly used to, and you can really dull that down. Mm-hmm. So when you braise fennel in uh, stock, or uh, if you have like a verjuice, or you know some red wine vinegar, or you know even red wine, you can really dull that aniseed flavor down from the bulbs quite mm. easily, actually. Yep. Um, it's more the seeds that really maintain that aniseed yep. taste and smell and you know aroma when you use them. So we're going to talk a couple of recipes, but before we get into that, I'm going to teach you how to actually cut it. Oh yeah, because you know you can it can be a little bit daunting uh, to slice the bulb. You basically stand it on the root end. And cut vertically, vertically with a sharp knife, or yeah, or, or a mandolin if you want to do it that way. Basically, you just want to trim the top 
and then slice it right down the middle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And you're basically splitting it open to two halves that are equal, but you're basically doing it down the line of the longest part. Yep, gotcha. So you don't want to cut it, you know, in the half where, because when you look at a fennel, it's basically a bulb and then it's got two shoots, the stalks coming out of it. You don't want to cut down the middle of the two (laughs) things and split it in half. You basically want to cut down the line and cut the stalks in half as well. Yep. Yep. That can be a little bit hard to do that, but, you know, persevering. A good sharp knife and you should get through it. Yeah, absolutely. Don't try it with a blunt knife. Now, again, as I mentioned, to soften the flavor of the bulb, you can braise it, saute it, roast it, grill it. Um, you can use fennel stalks in place of celery in soups and stews as well. Uh, a lot of people use fennel, and my mum was telling me about this actually. She uses fennel as a onion replacer for FODMAP. That is interesting. Yeah, which is really cool. Now that you mention it, I'm like, yeah, of course. I'm- yeah, why not, right? Yeah. Exactly. I thought that was really cool as well. Mm -hmm. So a couple of really common pairings with fennel. Pardon me. So fennel goes really well with elderflower because they share a a citrus kind of orange aromatic link. And there's a couple of other orange and, and spicy aromatic links that it has as well. So fennel goes really well with pomegranate. Mm. So we covered off pomegranate last week. They both have this spicy kind of citrusy aromatic uh, mm-hmm. link that they have together. It also goes really well with guava and also with the grapefruit. Yep. Uh, fennel goes really well with dill as well because it, they share a camphor-like uh, aromatic link. And it also goes really well with grape as well. There you go. Mm. So ways that you can use fennel. Now, I'm going to go through a couple of different ways that you can use fennel. And then I actually found this really cool uh, article where they spoke to a bunch of famous chefs about their favorite way to use fennel. Yep. That's cool. I'm going to talk to you about the ways that they do it. And there's actually a common thread through all of the chefs that you will see. Uh, when we get to that. So uh, drinks, fennel obviously has been shown to aid in digestion. So you can muddle the uh, the frongs and mix it with Campari uh, for a cocktail that'll help you with your stomach. You can add it to a risotto. So adding, you know, sautéed fennel to a risotto with saffron uh, is a really good way to use it. So we've got actually some saffron oil, which I'm going to use to, uh, to you know, lightly cook some fennel. Now we're going to slice it really thin to do that and then place it into the risotto, which will be really nice. Nice. You can also do it as a, a relish. So fennel with Mediterranean ingredients like olives and, um, and other Mediterranean things are really good for uh, a relish that you can use or to have uh, a sweeter side to make a, a chutney with apple. Oh, yeah, So okay. apple and fennel chutney. Yep. Uh, you can also have, you know, fennel shaved on top of a pasta salad. Um, you can braise it really lightly in a, um, you know, in a pan. 
uh, and basically you brown the brown the edge of the the fennel that you've got it down and then you can chuck in wine and it goes really well with um capers and olives mm. so it's a really good yep. way to have it you can stuff fennel as well with onions um or, and then shove all of that into like a focaccia or something like that uh, if you want to try it out on top of a pizza, it's a really good topping for the top of a pizza as pretty well. Pretty sure I've had fennel on pizza before. Yeah, it's pretty popular. Mm. A lot of places use, um, although this is not really my cup of tea anymore, but a lot of people have like prosciutto and yeah. fennel mm-hmm. as like a top of a pizza. So mm-hmm. it's quite popular. I think that, you know, you could do anything really that has a saltiness, and I think that's why it goes so well with olives, mm. is that that saltiness in the olives goes really well with the aniseed flavor from the fennel. Yep. Uh, again, you can use it in soups. We already spoke about that just briefly. You can use it in tomato sauce as well. Wow. So, you know, adding diced fennel to tomato sauce for pasta. Um, and they also do that. Uh, in a Middle Eastern dish that you may be aware of. Oh, yes, really? Yes. You know shashuka? Oh, I do. I do. Shashuka <laughs> and I go way back. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, so they use fennel in shashuka. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, people also use it in cakes, funnily enough. Mm. Yeah, how weird. I didn't really get that part. And I was like, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. I'm so instead of using of... carrots, they yeah, okay. they add fennel in a in like a nutty kind of cake. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Okay. Weird, right? Mm. Yeah, that's not my thing. <laughs> Let's okay. be honest. No. Okay, so I'm gonna talk to you about these chefs. Yes. All right. So there's a guy called Flynn McGarry. Uh, and he says, I love juicing fennel stalks and using the juice in a vinaigrette, um, slicing the bulbs and like simply dressing them in olive oil and lemon, mm-hmm. which sounds really good to me. Uh, Jennifer Carroll, another executive chef, their favorite way to cook fennel is by braising it with a preserved orange, white wine and garlic. Orange and garlic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What a combo. A preserved orange. Yeah. With white wine and garlic and fennel. That sounds I, I, I can't even delicious, like, man. I can't even imagine what that tastes like, that combo. Oh, man. I just can't even. It yeah. amazing. It sounds amazing. I just you, you haven't cooked with fennel in a long imagine. time, have you? No. Nah. No. Nah. Oh, my gosh, man. It's so good. Yeah, I'm going to have to. As soon as we get out of this isolation, I have a recipe which – and I say this all the time, but this <laughs> mate, I'm still waiting for the sage polenta recipe. <laughs> I've got that, but I haven't put it up yet. Yeah, okay. yeah sorry. Uh, I will. I guarantee you 100 percent that this recipe, when you listen to this podcast, you will find this recipe. And if it's not there, send abusive messages to Tim. Simon. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> send abusive messages to the Instagram account. We both read it, and Tim will be able to tell me off about it anyway. Yeah. But it will 100% be there, yeah. all right? I, and I'll, I'll tell you about this before I tell you a bit more about these people and their um, love of fennel. Okay, so this recipe is going to be 
a soft polenta bed. Now, not too many spices in the polenta. We're just going to keep it really simple. But then on top of that, we're going to braise some fennel in like a tomato and a red wine reduction. Mm-hmm. And we're going to add capers and olives to it. Mm. And then we're going to like simmer it right down and cook it for a while until it's almost like a, like a really thick sauce that it's in. And then we're just going to pop that, the sit the fennel bulb in the top of the thing and then just cover it in the capers and the olives and mm. deliciousness. Yeah. That's, that sounds good. It's going to, I was saying to Chris um, this week, uh, I was cooking dinner and I said, we really need to, um, start expanding our repertoire again, you know. So we went, we've got, we go through phases, yeah, where we expand the repertoire and then just fly along for a while, and then we expand again and then fly along for a while. And you know, we've done that a few times now, and it's like I feel like I'm at that point where we need to just start like finding Change out some up. new things, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that this one's going to be good for you, man, mm, yep. yeah. All right, so another one, this person, Gabrielle at Capanteri. I really like raw fennel in salads, but I also enjoy it braised in a very aromatic vegetable stock of onions, celery, coriander seed, star anise, thyme, uh, bay leaves, and olive oil, and sliced lemon. Interesting. That sounds delicious. So a common theme that I'm getting at the moment is lemon and olive oil go really well with fennel. Yep. Uh, another person just said, I love to cook fennel whole roasted just with salt and pepper. That's it. Cover it with aluminium foil and just roast it. So Absolutely. like a jacket potato. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I've had roasted fennel before and it is outstanding. It's mm. definitely something that I want to have more of all the yeah. time. And you can buy baby I, fennel. I'm, I'm just going to go buy one when I see one and cook with it. I'm just yeah. going to do it. Yeah. You should. I'm just going to force myself. It's it's so good. Mm. Braising it is my favorite way to have it. Mm-hmm. It's really, really good. Uh, and then the last one here, Eden Grishpan. I absolutely love fresh shaved fennel salad. You know, it's got really good crunch, that aniseed flavor. Um, and they he also likes braising the fennel with garlic and finishing it with lemon juice and fresh herbs or with a splash of orange juice into the oven. So orange. you got orange, lemon, yeah. olive oil, olives. Yeah. 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 Perfect combos. Yeah. So, so look, acid and salt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's really nothing stopping anyone listening from going and getting a fennel to start mm. cooking with it. And yep. I guarantee you, you will love it. And if you don't, then fair enough. But, you know... The fact that you can tone down the mm. aniseed flavor in the bulb, so, you know, don't go too crazy with the seeds, but in the bulb, you know, you can tone down that flavor. Um, yeah. And it, it's actually really good. And it holds a lot of – it absorbs a lot of flavor from things. So it's really good for that. I just actually remembered something that I haven't – that I didn't talk about. There is a recipe that I've done many, many times before – for crunchy bread that I don't do anymore because I am gluten-free, but basically Turkish bread, Mm -hmm. cut it into like thick one, two centimeter, you know, two centimeter chunks. No, 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 chunks. And like the whole like width ways. So you've got, you know, full bread 
pieces. Um, and then you want to drizzle it with olive oil. Uh, <laughs> drizzle it with olive oil. And then pound up some fennel seeds in your mortar and pestle and sprinkle that over the top of it. Mm. And then fresh thyme. And nice. sprinkle the fresh thyme over the top of it. Just bake it in the oven. Roast it, man. Yeah. And then as soon as it's done, pull it out. It is one of the best things you will eat. I'm going to do that. Yeah. I'm going to do that this week. Yeah. That's Actually, happening. I put garlic on it as well. Yeah. I, I was going to do that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I actually um, bash the garlic and then shove the garlic into the bread. Yep. Yeah. I don't don't right, smear it, it or anything. Yeah. I just shove it in. Yeah. Yeah. So then it roasts the garlic and you pull the garlic out at the end and you can, you know, mince it up and do whatever you want with yeah. it. Yeah. Nice. There you go. That's good, man. That is how to cook with fennel. That was, man, I'm, yeah, that was good. Mm. I really want to just go and cook with one now. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. I'm doing it this weekend. Yeah, nice. Yeah, because then I'll actually have the content to put up when we because <laughs> I have to do it this weekend. Need time to make some content. <laughs> some of it. Okay, so yeah, like you said, it. I mean, it it is classed as a weed, but you probably want to grow your own so that you've got control of it. But mm. it's suitable to grow in any climate. There's no restriction on where you can grow it, right? You can grow it in the garden or in a pot, but if you grow it in a pot, you have to choose the pot wisely because it's for anyone that knows what a fennel bulb looks like, it's quite big. Mm. Um, so, you know, if you've only got a small size pot, it might be too small. So you... Yeah, you really need to just use your common sense when it comes to choosing the pot, right? Because okay. they, they take up a bit of space. Okay. But uh, when you're growing it, planting from seed is generally considered the best option. Um, you can increase your uh, likelihood of germination by soaking the seeds for, you know, overnight or whatever before you plant them, but they will grow even if you don't do that. Okay. Um, so generally best result is you sow in – around autumn in warm areas and in spring in the cooler regions. Okay. Uh, and then they love lots of sun, well-drained soil, and um, lots of water. So water it pretty pretty often, but um, uh, that well-drained soil is crucial. So you, you obviously the plant's got to have room to move, so you, the soil needs to be kind of light and airy and that sort of thing. Yeah, okay. You're generally looking at about 15 to 20 weeks um from from seed so it's pretty reasonable amongst everything else yep yeah it's pretty and if you sow like successively or periodically you can prolong your harvest so if you have more than one growing at different stages yeah so you can you can kind of extend your extend your harvest out oh i like Uh, that yeah yeah but i mean super easy to grow but as they as they grow that bulb will start to push up through the dirt and really expose and mm. what you need to do is, while it's still growing, as the bulb comes out, you actually need to kind of push the soil up around the bulb so that it stays covered mm. and just let it keep growing up and push the soil um, just to keep the light away from the bulb, basically, okay. what you want to do. Yeah, so that'll just keep going until you're ready to harvest it. But once it's once it's at a, an edible size, um, generally like the size of a flat tennis ball type thing, you can just dig it out what? of the soil you know, like a squash, yeah. You know, it's like a tennis ball size, but not round. Do you know what I mean? No. 
It's I've not, never, it's, never it's not heard anyone sphere. talk about a flat tennis ball. Where are you from? Um, flat Earth. <laughs> uh, flat Earth theory with Tim. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's not a perfect sphere, but it's that general size without it being a sphere. I'm so confused by that, but go on. Oh, everyone else isn't. It's just you. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. dig it out of the soil, cut it off at the base. They kind of grow a, like a little taproot, so you got to yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so dig it out if you've got lots in a row, because they, they take a bit to get out of the soil. Just be careful not to kind of disturb other ones around it. But yeah, um, yeah. you know, again, use use your common sense there. You don't want to disturb the roots of other plants that are still growing. No. Um, but while it's growing, you can actually cut off, you know, stalks or the, mm-hmm. the, uh, I don't know, what would you call them, the branches or the, you know, you can use as a garnish or you can eat them. Yeah. Uh, the tendrils. The, yeah, yeah, the filigree or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. So you can, you know, while it's growing, you can use that as well. Just yeah, you don't want to trim it so that there's nothing left. But, you, yeah. Nice. And um, if you let it go to flower, it's a perennial, I think, from memory. So it mm. will flower over two years. Yep. Uh, you can harvest the dry seeds. Obviously, you can eat them or you can um, replant the seeds as well. Yep. So in terms of uh, companion planting, you, you one thing that stood out to me, right? So I was reading one source that listed specifically listed dill as a companion plant. Mm-hmm. And then I read another site that said if you plant it near dill, they will actually cross-pollinate. Oh. Uh, and if they cross-pollinate, then they both end up tasting funny. They don't, oh. They're not quite right. So That's interesting. Um, so don't do I think, that. Yeah, based on that, I would probably keep it away from dill Yep. so you don't get that cross-pollination. But some other companions that come with it are – Tomato, beans, basil, and chicory. Uh, mm-hmm. So some interesting combos there. You know, you were talking about making a, a tomato reduction with the. Oh man! You know, so yeah, works really well with tomato. Trying to trying to play into that companion mm. planting versus companion eating kind of. Uh, combo. I yeah. have no doubt that that is like nature telling you to eat it together. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But, um, I mean. Really, really easy to grow. Anyone can grow them. Any any region, uh, and yeah, fifteen to twenty weeks, man. Like it's that's. I like that. That's not bad. Yeah. So I mean, that is how to grow fennel. Yeah, that's amazing. I think they're going to be in our next batch of uh, in yeah. the vegetable garden. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, mm. it's fantastic. Yeah, pretty interesting, right? Work, man. Love it. I felt like I learned a lot today. Yeah. I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah. Mm. And it's made me excited about fennel again. You know? Oh, yeah. something I didn't tell you as well. I, I'm going to give props to Jamie right now, yep. my beautiful wife, <laughs> my beautiful and intelligent wife. I really hate it when when <laughs> women are just referred to as beautiful. I don't know why I just did that, but anyway. Um, my wife, Jamie... Big props to her because, as a matter of fact, polenta, and we haven't spoken about polenta yet, and it's a type of corn uh, maize, basically. Mm-hmm. It's a corn meal. 
polenta is actually really good for uh, breast milk as well. Okay. So yep. getting supply up for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, polenta is really good for that as well. So this dish that we're doing with the polenta and the fennel yeah. is basically just like get get the milk going. Get the milk going. Yeah. There's no issues, but, you know, if you can get more, get more. <laughs> oh, my God. So I'm just trying yeah. to think of think of a funny pun that involves lactating that lactalicious. None of them are funny. <laughs> <laughs> but you're just not funny. <laughs> uh, got milk? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I do. Mm, Lots good. of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, thank you, man. Another great episode. Another Another good one down and dusted yeah now little housekeeping things please watch out for the mini episodes which will be coming very shortly we're talking 10 to 15 minute episodes so these are going to be really short we will just be talking about a vitamin or a mineral or a uh, a chemical compound that we talk about regularly through the podcast. So that can be anything from vitamin A, vitamin B, one, two, three, you know, vitamin K, we talk about a lot. We talk about polyphenols a lot. We talk about lots of different antioxidants. So these bite-sized episodes are really designed to help you get a good understanding of, you know, one of those particular vitamins or minerals. Uh, something really easy to digest and that way we don't have to spend too much time on it in these podcasts which already go for a little while when we're trying to cover off everything else Mm. you know to just expand your knowledge on a couple of different vitamins and minerals and then you can just keep sailing through knowing exactly what you're talking about yeah makes you sound Mm. smart Mm -hmm. (laughs) everybody is smart (laughs) we're all listening yeah listening to the podcast makes you smart Mm. Well, it makes you more knowledgeable. Let's go with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, look, thank you again, everyone. And, you know, big round of applause for yourselves for uh, following us on Instagram. We really do appreciate the support. It's uh, it's quite humbling to see that happening. Mm. Uh, we really, I mean, we say this all the time. We selfishly started this podcast for ourselves to learn more about vegetables and plants but it's really morphing into something that a lot of people are getting a lot of uh, joy from in, mm. in discovering more about uh, vegetables and, and plants and fruits. So Yeah. I mean, we, th- we hope that some people would come along for the journey because, um, you know, it's a journey for us. Yeah. Um, yeah it'd be Absolutely. Nice, nice to have some other people along for the ride. That it is. Yeah. That it is. Mm. No, there's lots from it. Uh, you know, everybody's going to be having fennel parties this week. That's it. So, you know, and then watch out for the, the next couple of weeks. We'll be talking cauliflower soon, so watch out Oof. for that. That'll be a we're good talking one. pineapple soon as well, and we're doing coconuts very soon. So a couple of really good episodes coming up, uh, which you should watch out for. Well, thank you, Tim. Thank you, Simon. Good to see you, you, mate. Yeah. It is good to see you. Yeah. And we will be back next week with another riveting uh, (laughs) journey 
into the history of another plant. But until then, do yourself a favor and go eat some more plants. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>